You know, it's uh, something when you've uh, kind of had lived life. Uh, as I was thinking back in our own personal world, and we, we lost our son some time ago. And, How long, dear? 20 months today. And when you've gone through that kind of pain, folks, I want to tell you, it's, it's real. How many know that pain is real? Pain hurts. But in the midst of pain being real and pain hurting, God loves us. For God so loved the world. God so loved the Lurch family today. God so loved the Giles family today. And whatever family you're from, God loves you. God sent His Son so that you could have life and have it more eternal. And have it eternal, excuse me. Reading this morning from the uh, book of Psalms, the uh, psalmist is saying, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You say, that, that, that doesn't make any sense, right? <laughs> you say, hey man, if I'm in pain, right? Uh, what do you mean, the, the, I shall not want? But I want to tell you something. When you've had a relationship with the Father, through the Son, Jesus Christ, in the midst of things that you don't understand, in, in the middle of things that, that, that can confuse, in the middle of things that, that, that can hurt I shall not want. I shall not want. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're going through a challenging time. I want you to know this Jesus. He can work and move in such a way that you shall not want. Did you folks hear about the boat that lost its job? It got fired. I kind of, kind of break things up a little bit, you know. I don't like to get too serious too long, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Anyways, praise the Lord. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. I used to be a farmer, believe it or not. And uh, some years ago, um, we used to raise cattle. And, and, and the only uh, livestock I have now is a dog. And it seems like that dog takes up more of my time sometimes than I want, but whatever. But I found something with animals is that when things are going on in, in, in the world around them, for an example, my dog, if, if there's a thunderstorm, you can sure tell. It, it don't take long. All of a sudden, this animal's doing strange things. It, it, it's unsettled. You know, you kind of walk, you kind of watch it, and it's running here, and it's running there, and there's, there's almost no logic to what it's doing. Anybody here got animals like that? You, you, you've raised animals and, you know, in, in, in strange times, or, or maybe you yourself are going through something. Um, you know, um, I remember um, some time ago when um, my son, way back when, he had come to stay with us, and then he was getting ready to leave to go back to, uh, to I think he's Calgary, he was living at the time. I can remember my dog, you know, starting to chase him down the, the laneway. Eventually, they, they got disconnected, and so the dog had to come back. And that dog had the strangest howl. He, it, it was an abnormal kind of a bark that you just knew something's wrong, something, something isn't right. 
So when we read this, this particular part here about he makes me to lie down in green pastures, uh, 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 as, I, as I was studying this, I, I found out that sheep don't lay down if they're unsettled. If, if there's something going on in their world, they're troubled. They're, they're, they're not at rest. And, and, and they just stand and they do things that are kind of weird, just like our dogs and maybe even like some of ourselves. You ever, ever get in situations where you, you're under stress and your body starts reacting way funny, weird, and you, you can't settle down and you can't sleep and you're all kind of all bent out of shape? Now, I'm probably the only one that's experienced that, right? So, I mean... <laughs> oh, by the way, just, just so you know, um, this, is, this is being recorded right now. And if all goes well, this is being shipped out to a station down in Atlanta, Georgia. And from there, it's going to homes we don't know where in the world. They, they claim that there's a number, over, over, well over a million homes that this is going to. This is kind of a personal project of mine. And even at my age, just a kid at 70 years old, I'm still trying to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I heard about this opportunity, and I'm just sharing that with the church body here just to kind of let you know what we, the church, are trying to do. We're trying to reach our community. We're trying to reach our world the best way we can. Church, can I say something to you? We got a job. And you know something? The other religions aren't going to cut it. I'm getting kind of crazy here, but <laughs> you'll bear with me, please. And, 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 you know, we've got a responsibility. Let me ask you this question. If we don't try to reach the people in our world while we're alive, let me ask you who will. One of these days, are you going to stand before God and give an account for your life? I know I am. And that's how I'm preparing my world. That's how I'm thinking. I say, one day, when this is all over, Gary Giles is going to stand before God Almighty and give an account. And the last thing, one of the last things Jesus Christ said to his disciples, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, and it wasn't like there was a, a plan B it wasn't like there was, well, if you want to go, well, okay. If you don't, well, you know, that's okay. No. <laughs> you know, when Jesus Christ went to the cross, huh? we read that, we've seen, we've seen videos of it, we've, we, you know, and we kind of look at that and say, oh, yeah, you know, that was the, but I mean, could he at any one point ever said, you know, I don't want to do this. Gary Giles isn't worth dying for. Huh? The Junction Church, the people of the Junction Church aren't worth dying for. Huh? He said when they were about to arrest him and Peter got out his, out his, spear, out his um, sword and was about to end up cutting off somebody's ear, he says, Jesus said, what are you doing, dude? Now that's the Giles version, okay? <laughs> what are you doing? He says, don't you know that's why I came? And then when he died in that horrific death, we, 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 we see that. We see him hanging there with nails in his hands and the pain, the anguish that he went through for you and for me. And to say, well, yeah, I suppose I should try to tell my neighbor. Well, I, I suppose we should try to do more. 
He did it because he loved you. And he loved me. And then when he died, that horrific death, he was taken into the depths of the earth and he came out victorious. Then he's able to say to his disciples, go into all the world. Now, history tells us that out of the, I think, 12 disciples, one of them committed suicide, that left 11. Out of those 11 men, 10 of them died as martyrs. Did it cost those boys something? Huh? Was there a price to be paid? And may I say to you, as, the, as part of the church of Jesus Christ, if your religion isn't costing you something, there's probably something wrong. Huh? You ever find yourself being bored being a Christian? You ever find yourself saying, you know, this is kind of eh, whatever. I, one of the latest terms I hear people use is, I'm deconstructing my faith. I said, okay, whatever that means. How about you folks? But I'm trying to get more pumped. I'm trying to get more into this thing because I believe it's worth living for and it's worth dying for. God so loved the world. And he said to us, you go do the same. Go into all the world and preach this gospel. And maybe it will be as you're, you know, working at some place and you're just letting your light shine, people around you maybe are swearing or doing whatever, or acting crazy, talking crazy, and you're just there smiling and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I love Jesus, you know. That, that may be what it's about. But the beauty of it is, is if when you give your life to Christ, you become part of this army, an army that's been called to go and to tell that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He's the only hope we got. I don't know why I'm so pumped this morning. I really don't. <laughs> but I thank God that he lives in me. He lives in you. Christ in you, the hope. May I challenge you, what are you doing with what Christ in you? Where are you going? When, when you go someplace, Jesus is going with you and in you. Huh? You go for a walk. Ever folks ever go for walks, you know? You know who's walking with you and walking in you? His name is Jesus. He's got a plan. And we will look at the 11 disciples and we see his plan for those men was death. How about you folks, but that's a pretty tall order. Amen? But we, when we study the life of Jesus said to Peter, he says, Peter, Oh, by the way, dude, I got some, I got some, I got a plan for your life. And, 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 and he says, you're going to be, you're going to be taken where you don't want to go on the last days of your life. And Peter got under conviction and said, well, what about so-and-so over here? How many know it's easy to start pointing fingers and say, well, well, what about them? But God says, I'm speaking to you. I'm challenging you this morning to give it all to me so I can use you. <coughs> You ever think about where you're going to end up when you come to the end of your life? Huh? Are you going to end up on a bed someplace where maybe you've been sick and finally you come to the end and you die? How about you folks, but I'm hoping for something better than that for me. Amen. You know what I'm saying? I'm not in any way playing that down. 
People get sick, people die. It's a reality of life. But I, I somehow hope that when I come to the end of my life, I don't know where it'll be or what it'll look like, but I hope that I'm, I'm on fire and I'm, maybe I'm talking to somebody and I'm maybe saying, hey, you need Jesus. <coughs> Amen? For God so loved. Go back here to my, my, my text this morning. It said, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul. He makes me to lie down. There's comfort. I talked earlier about the pain of loss and grief. But when you know Jesus, when you know Jesus, there's something about being with him where there's, I can lay down in comfort. Have you ever had it happen where you're kind of, maybe you're making a decision about something and you somehow, there's an unrest, unsettledness, right? And you just say, you know, I was thinking about doing whatever I was doing. Maybe I was thinking about buying that car. Or maybe I was going, I don't know, taking some new job or something. And you just say, you know, something on the inside, I just feel about it. Anybody ever experience that? Unrest. Unsettledness. He leads me beside the still waters. I've come to believe this, and, and, and I wish I could say I had a good track record, but I have a lousy track record. I believe God leads us by his peace. In times when, when, when we know the right decision to make, because there's peace, there's a sense of settledness. It, it may not even look to make any sense, the decision that we're making, but you say, but there's peace. Versus decisions where, you know, this doesn't feel right, but I'm going to do it anyways because it looks logical to me. And then you look up and think, mm, that wasn't probably the wisest thing I ever did. <coughs> but what, what I'm trying to show you here, folks, is that that's how I believe God leads us, by that inner, inner knowing. And, and sometimes when you're, when you're making decisions about life, you've got to get away. You've got to get alone. Sometimes, you know, a decision, an opportunity will come up or, or, or a thing will come up and you have to make a decision. Well, what are you going to do? You want to buy this today or you want to do this? Da, 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 da. And sometimes we're trying to, oh, what should I do? Da, 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 da. And I believe sometimes we need to get away and pull back and say, let me, let me think about this. Let me pray about this. Stories, a lady was telling an interesting story. She said um, her and her husband had been on a trip and came back from this trip and they had found out that a dear friend of somebody who they had known had, uh, was sick and in the hospital and dying. And so they, they, they immediately went to the hospital. Uh, they just flew in from wherever they were at, went to the hospital. And so they said before they went to visit this person, they said, I'm going to get, we're going to get alone into the prayer room. They, they had like a little, little place to pray, you know, the little, the little uh, chapel they have in the hospital. So as they were there praying, they said they felt God speaking and saying, tell this woman they were going to visit that she's going to live and God's going to raise her up in three days. Now, <laughs> crazy thing of it is, when they went to visit the woman, she was pale, she was dying, she was just in the roughest of shape. And so they went in there and they looked and they said, well, this is what we believe. Oh, thank you, brother. I appreciate that, man. And... Um, Maybe I'll put this over here so I, in case something happens. But um, 
So, so they were, you know, busy, uh, went in. So they prayed for the woman. And then after it was all over, they said, God, you know, here she is dying. They, they, they've called the family in, and they're getting ready to say, you know, call the local undertaker and get ready for the next step. And these people get up, and they begin to say, no, she's going to be healed, and she's going to be raised up in three days. And at one point, at one point, one of the ladies said, or some, somebody said, you, what are you doing giving these people false hope? What are you doing saying, you know, because it turned out that this lady's husband was a doctor. And so, you, you know, you're giving people false hope. What are you doing? So they walked away and said, well, this is what we believe. And so they said they came back three days later. And they said all of a sudden they looked up and this woman who had been so sick, here she was up walking around and healthy and strong. And I remember thinking, wow, that's God. But they got it alone. They got a word from God. And as they got that word, they run with it. <laughs> and God raised them up. I'm going to speak something here. And <coughs> I trust if you're with me, you'll, you'll hear what the Spirit is saying through this. There's some folks, you've had a loss. And you're still in pain. And you're, you, you, the pain sometimes is just almost overwhelming. Things that happened should not have happened. But I feel like the word of the Lord is saying, but I'm going to use it for my glory. And if you will continue to hunger after me and seek after me, you will one day rejoice because I'm going to use something that your pain to bring glory to my name. Because I want to use you in a way that I might probably could not have done had you not gone through what you went through. He's going to use you in some powerful way because of your loss. I don't know about you folks, but I received that personally because I'm still dealing with the pain of loss. I'm still believing God for great things. Somehow God is going to use what cost me something to bring glory to his name. One of the things that I've learned as a Christian is, is life doesn't always go the way I planned. <laughs> Anybody here? I hear a few folks laughing. Is it, well, the rest of you, are you asleep or what? <laughs> In other words, things not only don't always go as the way you planned, but, but, you know, I go back to my, my son just for a moment. He had just quit his job in the Duke. And he says, you know, and, and I, this is he told my wife just before he left. He says, I want to quit. I quit my job, and I'm going to go back to Bible school, and I'm going to go full-time in ministry. And then all of a sudden, you get the news. Some policeman walks in at 2 o'clock in the morning, and he says, are you Jordan Giles' dad? I said, yes, sir, I am. And then he tells you the, the news. He's been killed in a car accident. And I can still remember seeing his body lay there, and I just remember thinking to myself, he's gone. The hopes and dreams. Like, like I'm telling you, man, I'm an old man right now. And this kid was young and healthy and could have probably run circles around me. And could, I, I could have envisioned somehow getting behind him and supporting him and doing for him. And now all I can do is weep as I see him lay there. 
pain of loss. The Lord is my shepherd. He says here too, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Anybody here enjoy walking through the valley of the shadow of death? If you do, you need to get some help. Being a little sarcastic, but you know what I'm saying? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, O my God, are with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You know, when I think of a rod and a staff, I mean, we, we, we see, we, we visualize a, a shepherd out there, and he's got his little stick and his staff, and he's maybe, you know, hitting the sheep upside their head or upside their body or something like that. You don't think of a, of a rod and a staff as something comforting. You know, I, I, I grew up in a world where they used to spank us as kids, right, when we did things we shouldn't do. Anybody remember those days? <laughs> I had a couple on there. <laughs> Anyways, there was nothing pleasant about getting the rod or the staff of correction. But you know, I, I, I've heard other people say, and I attest to the fact, it didn't hurt you. I mean, I survived. And, and it probably kept me from doing some stupid things, some foolish things where I could have hurt myself. You know what I'm saying? The rod and my staff, they comfort, comfort me. They, they bring a sense of of, of Peace. They bring a sense of, of cor uh, a correction, but knowing that the shepherd cares for the sheep. Sometimes we need to be corrected, right? I don't know about you folks, but everything I ever did, everything I have ever been involved in, wasn't always good for me or anybody else. And sometimes I needed that rod of correction to say, hey, dude, hey, <laughs> you're going down the wrong path. But that rod was there. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. <clears throat> you think of terms of enemies and you think of people who don't like you. How many know that everybody wish, you wish everybody that knew you liked you? I've been saying to my wife for a number of years, I like me. <laughs> but in the midst of that, how many of you know I've got, probably got a few enemies, you know, I, I don't know, I don't get up in people's face, do, what do you think of me, do you like me or not? You know, I just have to just go along and do the best I could, but I'm sure everybody here ha have, have known of people, or maybe even heard of people that's got, you know, where got back to you, they didn't like you. But that's life. But he said, in the midst of uh, moments when people don't like you, he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Pardon me, pardon me. Uh, uh, you, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. The, the anointing of the head with oil there, as, as I understand it, was that something that uh, a shepherd had done to sheep. They put oil on their heads and around their bodies so that the, the bugs, the flies wouldn't, wouldn't settle in and, you know, bring about disease and, and then bring about destruction. But you uh, excuse me, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. And I'm going to close with this statement. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. 
Amen.